Welcome to the Backroads Podcast. Another week of the football season is down. Week number two in the books. We got all that to go over with you, plus a very, very special interview with the Balmeray head coach Vance Jones, one of the deans of six man football. So let's get it started. I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressPassports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. So, Bobby, I, you know, we always start with interviews, and, and there's so much to talk about on week two. A lot of uh, exciting football went on, some really close ball games. Uh, one of them, two top ten teams go into triple overtime, and yet, I'll be honest with you, I was just super excited about this interview. One of the deans of coaches, and, you know, sometimes you can be the dean of coaching and, and coach for as many years as Coach Jones has coached, and it's one thing, but, man, what a genuinely nice guy Coach Jones is. That's the first time I've met him, and folks will hear this in the interview, and, and we apologize in advance because there were a little bit of technical difficulties there. Uh, we're going to blame it on the uh, the cell service in Balmeray, but <laughs> what a really nice, genuine human being Coach Jones is. Oh, he definitely is. I just love that man to death. Uh, the first time I ever met him, you know, I'd heard all about the great Vance Jones. And the first time I ever met him was at Klondike. I guess that was in 2017 or 18. And it was like when I walked up and started talking to him, I introduced myself and and he just talked to me like he, we'd been friends forever. It was like, oh, my gosh, I love this man. He is awesome. Well, let's get to it. Let's let hear everybody else hear exactly what we're talking about. Here's our interview with Coach Vance Jones, the head coach over at Balmeray. Okay, Bobby, coming up here next on our Backroads podcast, we've got an interview with somebody who we feel very, very fortunate to uh, come on the show with us. It is one of the deans of six-man football in the coaching world. Our honor and privilege to welcome in Balmeray head coach Vance Jones. Coach, welcome in this afternoon. Good afternoon. Glad to be here. You are somebody who we were just talking about that. You're somebody who's got four state titles. You've been coaching since the 70s, and you definitely are one of the deans, if not the dean of six-man football. Did you ever think when this journey first started back in the 70s, you'd be in this spot right now? No, I really didn't. <laughs> I had no idea I'd be still doing it after 51 years. <laughs> You know, I'm enjoying it, and kids are still responding, so they still want to pay me, so <laughs> I'll keep doing it as long as I stay healthy. So so you're you're somebody who, and this is the first time I've met you, but you've smiled the whole time we've talked to you. What is the secret in your mind of being so successful in six-man football beyond just the X's and O's? Oh, I think you have to have knowledge about kids and talk to them and how to get them into uh, believing in themselves. And, you know, that's a big thing that a lot of coaches uh, think my kids understand me and I understand them and, and we get along and have a, have a good relationship. When you talk about kids, obviously, you know, it, it's a big thing for us to say uh, kids of the, of this generation, they're just, you know, they, they don't get it. They don't get it the way we did. But how much have you really seen kids change over the years now that you've been doing it over 50 years? Well, you know, in the small schools, I I, have, I don't believe that they've changed that much. You know, they have more access and uh, to worldly things than we had, by all means. 
but basically they want they want to be disciplined and they want to know what they can do and can't do and and they may push it a little more than we used to but basically they're they're the same they just maybe uh know more about what's going on we've talked about you've been to eight state title games you won four of those you lost four of those is there a secret to success of getting there you know, you've got to have a lot of luck, and you have to have a very good talent, and you have to have a great coaching staff. And I've been fortunate in all the situations I've been there in that I had all of these things, and it all went together and worked together at the right time. You know, that's that's uh, just part of it. So you're somebody who grew up in six-man football, but I've got to think as much success as you had, there had to be offers to move up to, to bigger schools and to coach 11-man football. Did you ever entertain that thought, or has six-man just always been your love and, and you refused to go anywhere else? Oh, I, I, I coached 11-man, so I've been in 11-man. So, um, I, you know, I coached in the Mill South with my first coaching job and then for Marathon and coached there in six-man. <clears throat> and then I went to 3A Bridgeport for three years and then to Fort Stockton for a year and and actually for 13 years, I was at Fort Stockton before I finally got back to where I really wanted to be. And that was six man, you know, so I, I've been in both. <laughs> so so what what is it about six man that you just you love? I just love the game, you know, playing it in high school, you, you fall in love with it. And then I had the opportunity to play in college, 11 man. So uh, I know both games, and uh, I, it's more fun to coach 11-man. It's more fun, I mean, to, six, to coach six-man. It's more fun to play six-man. And once you understand that, you can take a lot of your knowledge you have from 11-man and apply it. But basically, it's a different ball game, uh, except for, you know, a few minor things. But, but it's just a lot more fun to coach and a lot more fun to play. I hear this a lot from people who have not come to see a six-man game, and they go, six-man's not real football. How, how would you answer that to somebody? They probably had never really been to a six-man game. It's the first thing. That's <laughs> not asking what game they went to watch. Because if you've ever gone to a six-man game, you know it's football. It's just at a smaller scale, you might say. And it's a lot faster than 11-man, you know. I get now. I, I get bored watching slow. No joke. I do too. <laughs> I'd much rather watch six man. So tell us about your bears this year. Uh, you know we've we've uh, got a bunch of young young guys that are just now really finding their wheels and and their the the game itself. And uh, I've got a core of uh, veterans that are doing a really good job leading us, but we're still we making some sophomore mistakes with some of our younger kids. And and uh, I, I feel like by the time we get to the the district uh, with the teams we're playing, you know, because we, we try to play hard teams, tough teams early, uh, because I think that helps get us better prepared for our district and for the playoffs. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like we've got a really good shot to – to make a deep run if we can stay healthy. That's the biggest difference now than what I've had here at Balmeray. I don't have the depth that I've had in the past. One thing I noticed is you have some height this year. There's there's some big old boys out there. 
And I'm not used to seeing that. And I really enjoyed watching the Bears play last Friday night. Are you enjoying a little bit of that size? Uh, yes, it's nice to have some <laughs> some size for a change, you know. We've got, I guess, uh, four or five boys that are six foot or better. For us, that's that's a novelty, you know, because we usually don't have too many over five ten. So it's been uh, it's been fun. You guys beat Van Horn Friday night, fifty to forty eight. Tomas Contreras carried the ball thirty five times for two hundred and eighty nine yards. Talk about the the play of Tomas and how difficult that can be to have to carry the ball thirty five times and be that productive. Uh, you know, it it wears you out, and that's 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 what has gotten us the last two games is, is we've been out of gas the last last quarter. But uh, Tomas is uh, he's a tough kid and. Uh, he uh, he's a hard fighter and a hard worker, and uh, he's a, he's a leader of our team. And uh, it, it's it's tough, but uh, I didn't realize he carried the ball that many times. You know, because our fullback did a real good job, also. So, you know, between the two of them, I know we had we had quite a bit of yardage last week, and and uh, we just made some mental errors that gave up touchdowns and kept the game closer than it really was. So Division Two obviously is very competitive. As the Bears move through the season, what do you want to see from your team to potentially find yourself making a trip back to Jerry's world? Uh, I think we've got to uh, cut out all of the the miscues, the uh, mental breakdowns, and uh, uh, forgetting what we're supposed to be doing on certain plays and certain off defenses. That's the biggest thing, I think. If once, once we get that all down, then I think we're going to be, uh, be a handful for some folks. I've always said that the Bears get in the backfield faster than any other team I've seen. How do you teach that? Uh, we just work on quickness a lot. You know, we <laughs> we we realize that if you're going to be a very good defensive team, you've got to attack the defense and uh, rather than waiting and seeing what they're going to do and then attack. And so we try to we try to go from the get go and try to beat them to work the bunch and. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> well, I think it's it's really nice to watch. I, I enjoy defense very much, so um, I love watching the Bears play defense. It's a beautiful thing. We try. We try. <laughs> Coach, let me ask you something. So as somebody's been around the game for a really long time, do you get coaches just call you out of the clear blue and get, go, Coach, I need to pick your brain here because I'm sure you've seen this or done this. Do you get calls a lot from other coaches, or do they kind of just let you do your thing? I have a lot of coaches that call and want to know about uh, our offense and about our defense and why we dare do certain things. And and that's the one thing about the six-man coaching community. Uh, we share everything that we have. You know, there's not a coach in the state that doesn't know my entire playbook because, you know, I've given it to coaches all the time. And and that's something you'll find in 11-man. The six-man coaches share what they know. And I feel like as an older coach, it's it's my obligation to the younger coaches to give them some help and help them maybe get a little better in what they're trying to do. I got to ask you something, too, because I know in the coaching world, one of the hardest things to be is a coach's wife. How much has your wife meant to you over all of these years? Uh, he is, you know, the, the rock of – of everything we do, uh, I'm very fortunate to have a wonderful wife. And, uh, 
daughter that uh, supports what we do and what I've done for all these years. And, you know, there's so much time that's taken away from the family when you are a coach. But uh, my wife was a coach and was a teacher, so she understands. And it's um, I'm just very fortunate to have my wife. Sorry, I get a little choked up. Personally, I think that's awesome. It, it really is. I, it's, you know, a, a, a wonderful uh, married life, I think, makes things so much better, especially as a coach, because you're right. You, you guys are spending so much time away from family. And so to have that support, I think, is is awesome. You know, it, that, and one thing about my wife, uh, she will not go anywhere with me to watch an 11-man ball game but she will go anywhere in the state to watch the six-man game. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I love that. Okay, so if there was one most important bit of advice you could give a brand-new coach, what would it be? I would uh, tell him to decide what he wants to do and how he, you know, offensively and defensively and, and stick with uh, one thing. Uh, that's one thing I see a lot of young coaches, they get all these different uh, offenses from everybody that wins and does this, and they try to do some of all of it. And uh, if you'll notice, we do one thing, and we try to do it well. And uh, we, we have about six or seven plays we run, and that's it. But we uh, work on, uh, you know, repetition and, and knowing what to do for any defensive situation. And, and our defense is the same way. We we're pretty simple. We run a three-two, and and we stay basic, and that's what we do. I think in this day and age, it's real important for the kids to learn one thing and not to get so many things in their head that they don't know what's going on. So we know that there's definitely becoming a coaching shortage, uh, especially here in the state of Texas. For a kid that's out there listening, or an adult who has thought about getting into the coaching world, but they're just not sure. What would you say to them to convince them that, hey, this is the right path? Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's hard to say, really, because coaching is not for everybody. You know, there's a lot of people that think it is and think, think they can do it, but yeah, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, a lot of time spent, and the coaches have to be dedicated to, to that if they want to be a coach and be successful. Uh, you know, and I'd encourage any young, young man that wants to coach to really – go for it but he has to understand it's not not a nine to five job it's a 24-hour job and that's the difference I think now is why so many younger people don't get into teaching and into coaching because it, you know that's a profession it's not a job and so many of them just want a nine to five job and that's that's what's really disappointing and seeing in uh, young people is that more of them are not going into a really tough profession like ours. And uh, I would just encourage them to, to understand that it is that way. And if you want to be successful, you can be, but you've got to dedicate yourself to it. Well, I sure do appreciate you coming on, Coach. And I'm going to get down there and see the Bears some more. Well, we sure will look forward to seeing you. Thank you, and I, I really am glad to be a part of it. Well, that was awesome, Bobby. It really, really was. I know there are a few technical difficulties in there, but it was still just awesome to listen to him. And maybe the thing that stuck out to me in that interview more than anything is the fact that he got choked up talking about his wife and how much it's obvious she means to him after 52 years of coaching. 
Oh, definitely. Um, you know, that's just the mark of a, a really, really good person and a good man. And um, I know she's probably right there supporting him 100% of the way. I know their their daughter does as well. Met her. She's a really nice person. That whole family is just a wonderful family. Well, that was that was great to talk to Coach Jones and his Balmoray Bears playing some really good football. Now, if you listen to him, he's you know, hey, we got a lot of things to clean up, but yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, still, when you're ranked number two in the state, you're doing something right. And we'll start in Division Two, and that is a great place to start. And actually, Balmoray ranked number four in the state. The Bears are. They beat Van Horn fifty to forty-eight in a game that Balmoray was up forty-two to twenty at half, but Van Horn wouldn't go away. And uh, Balmeray hangs on to that one. We talked about it. Tomas Contreras, 35 carries, 289 yards, and four touchdowns. The question is, did Tomas get out of bed the next morning? That's a beating you know you're taking there. Landon Lopez is running mate, 12 carries, 126 yards, and three touchdowns. On the other side, one of your favorite players, Bryce Verdell, 13 carries, 167 yards, two touchdowns, three receptions for 101 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and then Elijah Gaines, 71 yards rushing, 114 yards passing, and two touchdowns. What a ball game there between Balmeray and Van Horn. One thing that surprised me is that Balmeray is usually a second-half team. In the past, they have been. Um, it seems maybe that has flip-flopped this year. I guess we'll see. I mean, we're only in week two, so can't make very many assumptions at this point. But, yeah, I would have liked to have been at that game. You talked about it being week two. That It is hard to not make assumptions, and yet not want to draw conclusions at the same time. Right, because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, regular season, pre-district games really don't matter. They are intended to make your team better, you know, to get you in shape for district because when it comes down to district, that's when it matters, and then into the playoffs. So um, I don't put much stock in rankings until <laughs> until we get there. Uh, because they're all over the place at this point, as you and I have both talked about this past week about the rankings that came out. Um, I think that Mike was having a few issues with, I read where he was having a few issues with maybe missing some scores and maybe the algorithm being off a little bit. And that is why Texas 1A fan does not do rankings. <laughs> because I think it's the most contentious um subject area there is especially this early in the season it is and yet we love them oh I, mean, I know we can't it's like a train wreck you can't look away exactly why is my team not ranked that's they right hate us <laughs> yeah we don't you, get enough respect <laughs> you hate my team because we're not in that top 10 but and you know that's good because that means people have passion about their teams and that's exactly what we love Exactly. Well, let's uh, move on back up to the uh, number one team in Division Two, and that is the Benjamin Mustangs. They had no trouble with some other Mustangs from Will Dorado, 74 to nothing. Uh, Coach Barnett, I talked to him. They were missing three starters. So, you know, that was going to be a difficult game for them to hang in there anyway. When you're missing three starters taking on Benjamin, that's almost an, an impossible tax there. And so uh, Benjamin wins that one, 74 to nothing. Richland Springs all over Austin Royals homeschool, 50 to nothing. Now let's get to the uh, number three team in the state, the Whit Harrell Panthers. They took on Crest, the Kangaroos. They went at 60 to 38. That man, Shamondrick Weaver, 16 carries, 154 yards and three touchdowns. He also had two receptions for 77 yards and a touchdown. 
And, you know, when we talk about Whit Harrell, I think this team is, is quietly very, very good. And I think they were playing a team that people are going to find out as the season goes on is quietly very, very good in the Crest Kangaroos. I completely agree with both of those things that you just said. Definitely. Um, Larry was at that game for us covering it uh, by taking pictures and, uh, you know, we give the helmet stickers out and he could not decide of the three kids on the line for Whit Harrell who to give it to. So he gave it to all three. So congratulations to the Whit Harrell line. And he did say that Cress looked pretty good and, and they impressed him. So that yeah, was good Z- words coming from Larry. Yeah. Z- Coach Zach Reeves has done a good job there for Cress. This, as I like to say up here on my other show, this isn't your grandfather's Crest Kangaroos back in six-man land when uh, they weren't so good. This is a team you got to watch out for, and I think they're going to make some noise there in District 3. Moving on down the rankings, uh, we talked about Balmeray. Number five, Cherokee all over Goldberg, 65-19. to 19. Number six, Lorraine, the Bulldogs take out uh, Coach Parsley and his Wildcats from Kroll, 56-8, to eight, which gets us to the next game, which was a matchup of number seven versus number eight. And if rankings are correct, then this one's right because these two teams played to the bitter end and then some. In three overtimes, number eight, Jayton, takes out number seven, Klondike, 48 to 42 in an absolutely evenly matched game. Even um, a kid from Klondike that I've written articles about, remember the little guy, Kyler Pepper, he was broadcasting that in my game that I went to was over early. So I got to listen to that broadcast on my way back to Lubbock and let me tell you it was exciting just listening to it in the in the pickup going down the road he did say that they you know you have two teams that are pretty much a mirror of each other and when you have that you go to three overtimes but did you see that last play someone posted the video oh my on twitter it was like inches inches it was And, and you know what the one thing, and and I'll take out of that is give the official credit because he did a really good job on that one. Because in a tight ball game of three overtimes, I got to think as a referee, you're really when they get that close, you're whether you want to or not, you're almost trying to will them into the end zone, um, <laughs> just because of the individual effort. But I thought he did a really good job of paying attention to the to what was going on in front of him and marking that ball correctly. He did, and, you know, I know that was soul-crushing for Klondike because, oh, both teams played a heck of a game. A heck of a game. I mean, how many times have you seen a six-man game go to three overtimes? And the score still only be 48-42. That, to me, was what was impressive. That told me, and you and I have talked about this a lot, the best six-man games, the score tends to end up in the 30s or the 40s. Those are the best games that you'll watch. Right, it is. So this one, whoever was there, uh, I don't think it ended till like ten fifteen. Uh, this was a <laughs> this went long, obviously, with three overtimes. Hear me, I am being Captain Obvious again. Uh, <laughs> my favorite thing to do. Uh, <laughs> but that was a heck of a game, heck of a game, and we kind of knew it would be. We did. We did. The uh, Jaybirds, uh, four coach Daniel in there, Aiden Salazar, 97 uh, rushing yards and four touchdowns, 19 tackles and an interception. Uh, Caleb Beck with 18 tackles and an interception and Jaden Rivera, 130 yards rushing. I don't have the Klondike stats. 
I'm sure they're led by Creed Warren. Uh, I could be wrong. I, I did hear my... his name a lot during the broadcast. He did a, he did a really good job. So a really good game there. Jayton, number eight, takes out number seven, Klondike, 48 to 42. Number nine, Strawn, uh, with a narrow two-point victory over Dallas Lutheran. So Coach Lee gets back into the winning column, 52 to 50. And then number 10, Sanderson, all over the Shorthorns for Marfa, 47 to nothing. So let's uh, move up into the Division One ranks and look at the uh, top teams there in a whale of a matchup that went on Thursday night. And, you know, I pl- applaud Coach Matlock because they played a Saturday night at the Jaden Gridiron Classic and turned around and traveled on a Thursday to play a perennial top five team in Coach Gallegos' Eagles. Wildcats win this one 30-14 in a low-scoring contest. Cedric Ware, yeah, you've heard that name before, for Westbrook, 19 carries, 160 yards, three touchdowns. Grayson Jeffrey, 11 carries for 68 yards and a score. And Peyton Dominguez, eight tackles and a sack. And for the Eagles, Layden Nichols, eight carries, 71 yards and a touchdown. One of those going 60 yards. And Jacob Cisneros, uh, nine and a half tackles. Man, what what a ball game between these two. Wasn't this one tied at halftime, 14-all? It probably I haven't seen the actual breakout, but that that would probably sound about right. It seems like during the middle of you know about between the first and second quarter of the game that I went to, I was looking at scores, and it was fourteen all, and I was like, oh my gosh, now that is a game. That is a game. It is. Uh, we'll move on down number two, ranking the Red Devils. Coach Avios has got them playing well. They take out Buena Vista. As somebody has told you, maybe the best 0-2 team in the state. The Longhorns fall in this one 58-8. For Rankin, Barrett-Jackson, 11 carries for 97 yards and three touchdowns. Blake Wise, 7 of 9. So he only completes seven passes for 192 yards and three touchdowns. That's called making the most out of those seven receptions. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So impressive work there from I mean, the- I knew Blake Wise had a really good arm. I've seen him throw it before, but... That's really impressive right there. It did very impressive. <laughs> Number three, Abbott, the Panthers. Uh, they take on Fort Worth Covenant Classical, the Cavaliers. We'll just call them the Cavaliers. That's way easier. Anyway, no surprise here. And Fort Worth was highly rated, but uh, and Coach Crawford and the Panthers are really good. They beat them 62 to 8. Stommy, if you've heard Riley Sestala's name before. Six carries, 133 yards, and uh, three touchdowns. Carson Johnson, two of two through the air for 55 yards and two scores. And for Fort Worth Covenant Classical, Rex Platt, 13 of 27 for 103 yards. 13 completions for 103 yards in six-man football. I think that says a lot of good defense was going on by the Panthers. He did have a touchdown in that one, but three interceptions. So Abbott looking really, really strong. Oh, yeah. Panthers are rolling. They are. Uh, number four, May, the Tigers and Coach Steele take out Austin State St. Stevens, 77-46, to 46, one of my favorite players in six-man football, Damian Salinas, 13 carries, 298 yards, six touchdowns, 11 tackles. He took the water out before the ball game. He helped them uh, wrap up the uh, stadium. He cleaned the stands and uh, was at Coach Steele's uh, door first thing the next morning wanting to watch film, something like that anyway. Probably. <laughs> heck of a game there from uh, Damian Salinas. Luke McKenzie, eight carries, 94 yards, two touchdowns, three of three through the air, and 46 yards and a score. 
and Bryson Guerrero, nine tackles and two interceptions. And don't look now, but the May Tigers look as good as they've ever looked. Of course. <laughs> of course they do. It's the May Tigers. Exactly. Uh, number six, Knox City all over Coach Bigham and his Motley County Matador, 60-12. to 12. Caleb Arietta, 113 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Bryson Calloway with two touchdowns through the air. And then for Motley County, Jason Richards found the uh, sledding tough on the ground. Six carries for 34 yards. Caton Royce did have a touchdown passing in that ballgame. But Knox City looking strong. And we talked to Coach Calloway last week. And uh, they've got big games coming up. So uh, they're going to get tested as we move forward here in the schedule. Ira, number seven, the Bulldogs take out Paint Creek 50 to nothing. The defense for Ira held uh, Paint Creek to minus 23 yards of total offense. And on the uh, offensive side, Brighton Partain, four carries, 30 yards, two touchdowns. And Aiden Claxton, two carries, 33 yards, and a touchdown. Number eight, Gorman all over Avant, 61 to 12. Number nine, Happy. Yeah, I know that's cool. They beat Follett <laughs> 54 to 14. That game ended with about a minute and a half left in it uh, via the 45-point mercy rule. Uh, Trice Johnson for Happy, one of those uh, players that you talked about, you know, who stepped into a role last year and, and figured out what he could do. Well, he's taking it to another level now. 24 carries, 222 yards, six touchdowns. Oh, and he did have eight solo tackles as well as he uh, took the uh, Superman cape off at halftime. And then Cutter Hodges, nine and a half tackles in this ballgame and two sacks. Shane Franks doing yeoman's work for Follett. He found the uh, the sledding very, very tough, but he still ended up with 19 carries for 130 yards and a touchdown and a very impressive 45-yard run where I promise you, I think every uh, Cowboy attempted to tackle him and just failed to do so. Well, sometimes that happens. It does. And then we'll finish up with number 10 in the uh, slinging it everywhere, Bearcats of Coach Jeff Jones in Garden City. They take out Menard 54-8. to They held Menard to 82 yards total offense. Logan Seidenberger, four completions. They only went 62 yards, but all four of them went for touchdowns. Three of of those to Mason Walker. Uh, All three of those to Mason we're touchdowns three for 46. So, uh, well, coach... and that's the game that I was at. And let me tell you, Mason Walker, he's kind of like Johnson from happy. He, he figured some things out and this was a turning point game for him. And he had interceptions. He had receptions. I mean, the kid was everywhere. <laughs> and so shout out to Mason Walker, finally finding your legs. Keep it up, bud. As you were at that game, it's my understanding. You got to meet big O's dad. I did. I got to meet Eric Seidenberger. He was standing there holding all the flags. I, I guess that after they came through the tunnel at the beginning of the game, they he was the dedicated flag holder. A uh, very nice man. I can see where Owen gets it. And low, um, you know, I talked to Owen after Big O after the game, and uh, there was one point in the game. It was funny because you know last year I got that picture of him hurdling two or three different defenders in one play. And I looked at him and I said, you know, I was just sitting here waiting for you to hurdle someone. He said, well, you know, I can't get hurt. And he said, but I sure have been looking for an opportunity. So he's <laughs> he's looking to hurdle somebody. Maybe it'll happen this year. Maybe I'll be there to get the picture. It just might happen. <laughs> Let's go ahead and look through the rest of the state and some uh, news and notes, the games that we've got here. 
in a big game that was held on Thursday night, Erion County and Spur doing battle, and Erion County wins this one 83-36, to and I'm going to mess it up because you and I talked about this now. Trevin Kofel, did I get that right? I think it's Koffel. Koffel. That's Kofel. what you told me, yes. Koffel. Maybe Tre- Koffel. I, you know, I have the hardest time because, you know, <laughs> coach, the coach of the team, his last name is, I think it's Kofel, Don Kofel. But I'm sure all the Erie County people will probably correct me, and that is perfectly fine <laughs> because for some reason that will not stick in my head. They're listening to the podcast. It's this. It's this. You this, people. exactly. And I'm. you know what? I don't blame them. They can yell at me over the podcast all they want because <laughs> I cannot get that in my head. And I can't tell you how many times someone has told me how to say it, and it just it just will not stick. So That's, that's funny. You know, I'm going to try. Well, let's go at it this way. Coach Don's son, Trevin, yes. had 21 tackles in this ball game. A, a game clinching interception that he took back six, I think it was 65 yards for a touchdown. He was also eight of 11 through the air for 205 yards and five touchdowns. And a Colton louder milk for them six carries, 175 yards, and a touchdown. Big win there for the Hornets over the Bulldogs. Yes. And, you know, it was that was a good game. The first half was pretty good. And, um, of course, the first half lasted, get this, two hours. Wow. Two hours. Wow. Most games are done in two hours. <laughs> exactly. So it was like all those kids. I felt so bad for those kids on that field because it was like they ran a marathon before they even got to halftime. And we had some tired legs out there the second half. Um, but Erie County, they're no joke. Watch for them. Some other news and notes. McLean beats Amarillo Pachia. That's the Amarillo Homeschool that started this year. So they lost last. Pachia lost last week 76 to nothing. This week? They lose 77 to nothing. Welcome to six-man land. It's not been too pretty for the uh, local Amarillo homeschool so far uh, on the season. Valley over Spring Lake Earth, 46 to 13. Claude takes out Headley, 70 to 46. And I had to go back and look. And theoretically, this is the first time Claude has been 2-0 since 2010. They were 2-0 and in 20, I think it was 2017, Bobby. But one of those wins was against a JV team. It was their first year in six-man land. So, to me, really, this is their first 2-0 start since 2010 when they were an 11-man. Javon Lee, and I'm telling you, this kid, is he's, he's better than people realize. He's their spread back. 19 carries, 371 yards, and eight touchdowns. And the two juniors there, Bregan Conrad and Jaden Blandford, 19 tackles, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. So, good to see the Mustangs uh, starting out early in this one, 2-0. Miami over LaForce, 69 to 12. Hayden Thompson, 129 yards passing, uh, five total touchdowns. Keep going through here and uh, see what other games of interest we've got. Gordon all over Ranger, 52 to 6. I think Gordon and Strawn come up this week. Mm-hmm. Oh. That should be interesting. Yeah, it's at Strawn this year. I've uh, been to that game. If you yeah. haven't been to that game, people, go to that game. Those towns are, what, eight miles apart, seven miles apart, something like that? And talk about a rivalry. This is like the true meaning of rivalry. It's gone back for, I feel like, hundreds of years. Probably not hundreds of years, obviously. (laughs) But I feel like it's been that long. But it's something to behold. Just, Just go and 
and to watch that game between those two teams. It really is. Uh, other games, Borden County started out a little bit slow, but they finally put the uh, Broncos from Meta away 62-14. to 14. Nazareth over Hart 67-6. Luke Schulte, eight carries, 177 yards and five touchdowns. Eli Hernandez for Hart, five carries for 69 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Another score here, Morgan over Augustine, 68-20. E.J. Ivulus, 10 carries, 66 yards, three touchdowns, 92 passing yards and two touchdowns. Zach Mitchell there for the Eagles. Three receptions for 73 yards and a touchdown as uh, Morgan gets the win over Gustine. Rochelle takes out Noasis Canyon 70 to 20. And I apologize when we got the stats. All I got was the last name and I couldn't find the first name and I ran out of time. Oh, Merrick Howell. Merrick Howell. He's a sophomore. And let me tell you, um, I'll, I'll tell you a little story about Rochelle after you finish these stats. How about that? That works for me. Well, he had seven carries for 114 yards, 10 of 12 through the air for 240 yards and five touchdowns. Also a kickoff return for a touchdown. And uh, he also helped coach Cherry uh, at sideline, pass out Gatorade, and make sure everybody was hydrated and ready to go. And then uh, uh, his running mate, Kelton, three carries for 54 yards and two touchdowns as Rochelle takes out uh, Coach Fletcher and his Panthers from Oasis Canyon. Um, Dency and Michael were at that game, and Dency said that the Rochelle Hornets are extremely fun to watch. They are high flyers and lots of high energy, and she said it was just a lot of fun to watch them. But one thing that, if you saw pictures of the Rochelle Hornets without their helmets on, you would know that they absolutely love a certain type of haircut. Can you guess what that is? (laughs) What would that be, Bobby? (laughs) Thank you. 80s would that be a mullet maybe it, it would be a mullet yes not, not that i ever wore one but you know oh please i bet there's a picture <laughs> out there somewhere of you and a mullet but yeah rochelle those hornets they love the mullet and they sport it very well very very interesting well you know mullets are coming back in style i i saw a contest recently where young kids uh, uh went for best mullet on a 10 year old or something like that it was quite interesting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, something. <laughs> Other scores, White Deer over Anton, 66 to 16. I get a little bit of surprising uh, the margin of victory in this one, but Coach Rucker has the Bucks playing well. Anthony Martin, 7 of 10 through the air, 158 yards and four touchdowns. Hunter Atwood and Brody Weathers combined for 128 rushing yards and a touchdown. Newcastle, no problem with Woodson, 49 to nothing. Ty Strawbridge, 81 yards rushing and a score. 147 yards passing and three touchdowns. And Isaac King, 97 yards rushing, uh, two touchdowns, 60 yards passing and a touchdown, and 85 yards receiving and two touchdowns. So uh, Isaac, you know, making it happen in all three phases of the offensive game there. (laughs) That's impressive there. Covington all over Iredell. Uh, Caden Dorsey in this one, 23 carries, 272 yards, four touchdowns, 113 yards passing and two touchdowns, and he had 12 tackles. Josh Rivas, 14 tackles as Covington takes out Iredell, 48-8. to eight. One more thing about Rochelle. This is a cool thing. It's for all you ice cream lovers out there. We all know, and we've talked about Klondike having the homemade ice cream. Why is it I always talk about food? Why is that? 
You don't see me complaining. I'm not complaining either. It's ice cream. No one can complain about ice cream. But Klondike, they have the homemade ice cream. Um, they actually made a whole side of their brand new concession stand just for that homemade ice cream. Well, let me tell you, there's a new person trying to come into the ice cream scene, and that's the Rochelle Hornets concession stand. Get this, Craig. They serve soft serve ice cream. Mm, just like the Dairy Queen, right? I'm telling you. See, that? yeah, you're right. Maybe they'll hear this and maybe they'll get some chocolate dip or something. But another concession stand that I want to give a shout out to is the Blackwell concession stand. We've talked about them before, about how wonderful their food is. Let me tell you, I got a whole dinner for my dad. Uh, my dad went to the game with me. He loves to go to six-man games, so... So we either meet somewhere or, or he'll go with me. And halftime of that two-hour, you know, <laughs> half game where Spur and Erie County played, I got him a whole dinner, chicken strips, salad, fries, gravy. Oh, and he said it was delicious. So next time you're in Blackwell, check out their concession stand. They have some really good dinners. And we're going to end the podcast right here so I can go eat, right? I know, right? Now I'm hungry. Man, no kidding. Maybe no. I should get on the DoorDash pass. And, you know, when I lived in Jayton, I couldn't do that. But now I can. <laughs> I take advantage. I'm telling you. Now that week two is over with, we get to move to week three, Bobby, as we mm. look ahead to some of the big games going on in week three. Is there any bigger game than ranking at Westbrook? Um, I'm going to step out on a limb and say no. There isn't. That should be a just a a fantastic ball game and you know at the same time i think it's going to tell us a lot about both teams and it's 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 amazing it really is what they do you've seen rankin in person you were really really impressed so i think this should be just a whale of a ball game i'm telling you uh, both of these teams are bruisers and talk about there's going to be a lot of, of players from westbrook and rankin really really sore Come Saturday morning, I'm already calling it. I'm going to that game. <laughs> I should probably cover someone else, but I can't. I, You can't ask me not to see that game. No kidding. If I could go, I'd go watch it myself. So that one should be outstanding, number one versus number two. Another big game in my eyes, uh, May and Knox City doing battle in Knox City Friday night. I think this is going to be the true test for Knox City to see you know, because they run two pretty different offenses. So uh, it's going to be interesting. See what it, Knox City comes up with for, for the May Tigers. And they'll be playing on their home field. So that may be just a slight advantage. It, it may be. So that that will be uh, that should be a great game as well. Another one of those that will really give us an idea this early in the season of potentially who we're looking at in both May and in Knox City. Uh, a game that maybe doesn't catch the eye of a lot of people, but Borden County making the trip all the way up to Claude to take on the 2-0 Mustangs. Borden County still going to be favored heavily in this ballgame, I think, but, you know, you don't know for sure until they play this ballgame. Oh, that's for sure. But Borden County, they've been, they've been rolling along here. We'll see how this goes, but you're right. That is quite a trip up to Claude. See how the Coyotes do against the Mustangs this week. Right. Uh, we talked about it. Gordon and Strawn doing battle over at uh, Strawn. 
that's always a great game. It doesn't matter what the records are. Those uh, two teams, they just hate each other. Plain yeah, and simple, right? They do. And and it doesn't matter how good or how, how down either one of them are. That team is like the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl of the season. Even though they're not in the same division anymore, well, as of this year, um, you know, that team, that game has got to be on the schedule. That's a rivalry for the ages. <laughs> it is. Uh, another good game, Jayton, as if uh, they haven't played enough already. They go on the road to take on Ira and the Bulldogs. Uh, that'll be another big test for the Jaybirds early in the season. Well, they're just testing the heck out of themselves this early. First May and then Klondike, now Ira. Uh, we'll see how the Jaybirds do when they're not playing on their home turf. You know, another game that is a big rivalry, and they actually have a name for the game. It's called the Battle of the Bell, and that's Blackwell versus Highland. And that will be taking place this week, and they will be playing in Highland at 7.30 on Friday. So they're going to have the bell there, and whoever wins gets to take the bell home for the whole year and gets bragging rights. So so two good rivalry games in week three. Exactly. And then Jonesboro, we talked about them. They had that tough battle with Westbrook. They're going to go on the road to take on Austin St. Stevens. That's a team that uh, hung in there with May. So, you know, Jonesboro's not going to get any rest uh, moving from Westbrook over to Austin St. Stevens. So that should be a good game as well. So lots of good games out there in week three. That's just those that really entice us. There's a lot more really good games out there. So go find a six-man stadium near you. Guaranteed, you're going to watch some good football. Oh, amen, brother. So amen. speaking of football, let, let's shift. We'll have our first episode this year of Lehman's Six-Man 101. And you're going to talk to us about the first state game that was played in 1972. I am. I just thought I'd start with this. This is really not what 101's about this week, but we'll get into that in just a moment. But the first game was played in 1972. It was played between O'Brien and Gerald, and they played in Coleman, Texas. O'Brien won that first state game, 60-14. to 14, And, of course, Lehman has this very game on six-man films on YouTube. Um, we have put the link specific links to that game on six man films in the podcast webpage at one a fan.com. So go look that up. So sometimes I I'll ask Lehman questions and it sends him down the rabbit hole. And unfortunately I tumble right in after him. Uh, so I ask him, has there always been a 45 point mercy rule? The answer is no. That rule was instituted in 1939. However, teams were allowed to opt out and not use the 45-point rule until sometime in the late 1950s or early 1960s. We, I did ask uh, Coach Jones about this before we uh, interviewed him, and he said he played uh, in high school at Marathon in 1961 through 64. And he said that that was not a rule you could opt out of. So we're we're thinking it was late fifties or six uh, early sixties. Though nineteen, if, if you're wondering how you could opt out of that, I mean, yeah, you get a choice. Nineteen thirty nine, six man rule book states 
that the purpose of this rule is to prevent undue punishment of a team that is hopelessly defeated. <laughs> That's actually in the rule book. Um, Can you I, imagine if you wrote those words today, what people would think? It would be terrible. Um, <laughs> that would go straight to the sixmanfootball.com forums and it would be bad. So, <laughs> But I did um, digitize. Uh, the 1939 rule book, that page that talks about the 45 point rule. And also um, this is, this is an addition to that, that I love. And they compare it to a 15 round boxing match that may be terminated by a knockout. They also go ahead and explain further and say, the rule will encourage coaches to use more players instead of attempting to win by a large margin. Six Man Magazine, yes, Six Man Magazine. This magazine ran between 1946 and 1958, and it was printed, get this, in Baltimore by a boys' Latin schools coach. His name was Claxton O'Connor, and incidentally, he is in the Lacrosse Hall of Fame. But he wrote an article about the 45-point rule, in the 1952 issue and indicated the magazine, get this, Craig, this is awesome. Six man magazine would not recognize game scores where one team won by 53 or more points. Hmm. They just that that it wasn't a real game. It was against the rules because it was more than 45. And so there you have it. So, so Benjamin Rado did not occur this past week. Uh, according to the 40s and 50s six-man magazine, no, they would not recognize it because it was <laughs> against the rules. But um, I've posted that article from the 1952 six-man magazine along with that the 45-point rule from the 1939 six-man rule book. It's on our podcast webpage for you to read. Very interesting stuff there. Uh, thank you, Lehman, for going down the rabbit hole and letting me follow behind. I'm sure I will get caught in that very same rabbit hole this week, preparing for next week's podcast. I have no doubt that is exactly what you'll do. And it's so easy to take Lehman down a rabbit hole. And uh, we'll just, you know, oh. hey, if you think of something that, that we could get him going on, you let us know and we'll, we'll get him chasing that rabbit in a hurry. You know, when he was down that rabbit hole, he found, what was it? The the six man line defense where everybody stacks up behind each other, and he posted. Did you see that on Twitter? Yes. Yeah, he posted that on Twitter, and and uh, Jeff Jones from Garden City, uh, jokingly asked Ollie if if maybe they should run that. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was it was a great conversation, but um, he put a little diagram. He actually put a picture of of that defense on Twitter. We're going to find some really cool stuff. He gave me lots of fodder and I have to pick through it. So um, it's a good thing I know how to research. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Well, let's move over to, yeah, there's more than just football going on. Let's move over to volleyball where, as you talked about, the rankings are up, down, here, there, and we're not quite sure where they go. Lots of movers and shakers in 1A volleyball from week to week. Uh, you can go look at the TGCA website where you can find the top 20. And uh, maybe nothing more confusing than, and you and I talked about this off air, 
When we went through the rankings last week, Blum was nowhere to be found in the top 10. They actually That's dropped right. to 19 from number two. Mm-hmm. Now they're back up to number two. I'm, I'm with you. I think maybe there was an oversight and they put out the rankings and went, wait, that, that's not where they belong. We'll fix that real quick. But Blum, the really young Blum Bobcats, back up to number two. Perrin Witt drops three spots to number five. Monday, the Lady Moguls drop it, jump into the top ten. And they're oh, they're in. the Mogulettes. Oh, that's right. The Mogulettes. You're correct. And I don't want to get yelled at, but you're right. That is the Mogulettes. Uh, Bryson, Klondike, Pettis, Dodd City all fall out of the top 10. And McMullen County and, and uh, Aquila find their way into the top 10. I'm not real sure what's going on here. But um, we're going to keep bringing you the top 10 from that top 20 list from the TGCA. But number one this week is in Fayetteville. They have not moved from that spot. So they're they're pretty much set in stone right there. Number two, Blum. Three, Benjamin, four, Monday, five, Perrin Witt, six, St. Joe, seven, Very Best, eight, Round Top, Carmine, nine, Aquila, and ten, McMullen County. So there's your top ten, which moves us into another top ten, and that is cross country, which uh, this is as of a Saturday, September 3rd, uh, looking at the Cross Country Coaches Association of Texas poll. That's a mouthful right there. On the girls' side, Buena Vista leads the way. They're uh, in the top spot, followed by Jayton, Roby, McMullen County, Sands, Borden County, Miller Grove, Eula, Spur, and Comstock. And when you go to the boys' side, a familiar name up at the top, Jayton, along with Saltillo, Fayetteville, McMullen County, Slidell, Miller Grove, Sands, Texline, Blum, and Eula. Yes, this is the first regular season poll, and it was of Saturday. I kind of stumbled upon it, so it's on the website. Uh, one thing I'd like to do is give a shout out. I received a picture of Big Ben Turlingua's first cross-country practice. And so we had to share that. It's on the podcast page. Anything we talk about here that has links or pictures, we'll put up on that page and we'll reference it with the episode so you can go go look and see what we're talking about. But this has been a busy week. Well, and before we get out of cross country, Bobby, and, and kind of wrap the show up, we got big news for folks. McMullen County's Isaiah Billingsley, who we all have seen for years, and he runs incredible, now running at the University of Auburn, and he did quite well in his first SEC meet. He sure did. I saw that uh, just earlier today. Didn't he get fourth in the first meet? He did. That is incredible for a tiny little 1A school kid to go to Auburn and get fourth in his first cross-country meet as a freshman. You know he's working hard. So um, shout out to Isaiah Billingsley. Keep up the good work. And we're going to try to find out what's happening with old uh, Brandon Passman, too, because he went to Alabama. Right. So uh, that's kind of funny. They competed for years and then they ended up at schools that what are they going to do? I'm going to compete against each other for another four years in Alabama and Auburn. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here on this week's uh, Backroads podcast. So much that we went over. Can't thank Coach Vance Jones out at Balmeray enough for uh, sitting down and taking the time to interview with us. And uh, next week, some really good games, including that uh, great matchup between Rankin and Westbrook. We'll have it all for you next week on the Backroads podcast. But until then, I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. 
And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Remember, go forward and do good.